Welcome to the Modern Law Revolution podcast, sponsored by the Colorado Bar Association. This is the podcast featuring successful, happy, and today positive lawyers who are revolutionizing the practice of law in Colorado and throughout the country. I'm your co-host, Jakey Box. I'm a lawyer turned entrepreneur, consultant, and author, and I'm a past chair of the CBA's Modern Law Practice Initiative. And I am co-hosting with JP today. My name is Erica Holmes. I am the founder of EL Holmes Legal Solutions, a modern law practice focusing on family law and attorney ethics and regulation. And I am the inaugural chair of the CBA's Modern Law Practice Initiative. All right, Erica, and I'm really excited for today's episode. It's part one of a two-part series, Modern Mindset for Modern Law, The Power of Believing. And sometimes we get so wrapped up and the actual work that we're doing that we forget to focus on the mindset that is the base of everything. And so Erica, why don't you start us off and introduce us to this life-changing topic on the power of believing? I'm so excited for today's episode because I just feel like we are really needing this right now, um, where we are in the world and everything that's happened. So um, to get us on track, um, we're going to start off with MLPI's mission statement, which is to revolutionize the legal profession by enhancing access to innovative, client-driven, and cost-effective legal services that empower lawyers to build thriving law practices. Today, we're going to focus on the use of the word empowerment. How exactly do we empower lawyers to become modern lawyers practicing modern law? The answer is mindset. There's a growing evidence uh, from the fields of positive organizational behavior and positive psychology that the resources of hope, optimism, self-efficacy, and resilience shape the underlying attitudes and behaviors associated with increased performance. So our special guest star today, Martha Knudsen, all the way from Utah, is going to discuss how policies that promote lawyers' strengths and well-being are good for the lawyers, they're good for the law firms, and ultimately good for business. So to introduce you to Martha, there's a lot to uh, to say about her. Um, she is the executive director of the Utah State Bar's Wellbeing Committee for the Legal Profession, and she works with Utah judges, lawyers, and law students to enhance engagement, performance, resilience, and overall well-being. As part of her role, she also advises researchers at the University of Utah conducting empirical research of lawyers and law students in the Western United States, meaning we're going to get lots of good stats and science today, too. So um, Martha earned her law degree in 1999, of course, graduating magna cum laude. Uh, she went to practice law initially as a law firm litigator, um, and she got all the way up to a shareholder and later as general counsel of a leading national real estate management company. So in addition to her nearly two decades of working as a lawyer, she also, in her spare time, gets a, um, a degree in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, where she studied under one of the legendary founders of the field of positive psychology, Martin Seligman, who is the director of Positive Psychology Center. Now, she combines her two fields of expertise to train lawyers on ways to make their lives happier, more satisfying, and more meaningful. JP, let the grilling begin. Well, Martha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And it's an, it's an honor to be here. So I want to take a deep dive into your work as a positive psychologist. But before we go there, I was really moved to read about your early career experiences, starting off as an associate 
in a litigation firm because I saw a lot of what you experienced, particularly the high levels of stress and the lack of support to help mitigate that as something that I definitely related to as a young associate, so much so that I would have panic attacks that would manifest in the middle of the night. And on the outside, people always told me, you know, JP, you're so calm, you're so collected, what's the secret? And the secret was I was suppressing all my stress until nighttime. But it's something that I think a lot of lawyers deal with. And so if you could kind of tell us about your experiences, starting off as an idealistic, optimistic, excited associate, and that buzzsaw of stress that a lot of us run into early on. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I entered my practice as an associate in a litigation firm where we did everything, but I was slotted for litigation. And, you know, when I entered the practice, I was a pretty, like, things didn't bug me too much. I was an optimistic person. Law school had not taken too much of a toll on me. I started out with my practice and I started having these, these, like, just feelings of dread and um, difficulty and, like, life kind of lost its color. And I'd have moments of being like, am I just dumb? And my parents didn't you know, they, they kind of forgot to tell me this as, you know, cause you come out of law school and you learn how to find the law, how to make an argument, all of those things. Um, but you're not really, at least when I was in law school and I graduated in 99, you weren't prepared to enter the practice and the realities of the stress of interacting with clients of coworkers. And so You know, I found myself by the time I was in my uh, third year associate, I'm just depressed and anxious and I didn't understand why. And I wasn't making the connection to, to my job, but you know, I, I am like uh, many of us that are in the field of law, we put our head down and we work, right? So I was just like, I'm just going to work harder through it work. And so I did that. So I figured if I just put more time in and more effort in, then I'd get through this feeling instead of, you know, doing, doing things to take care of myself. And, and by the time I got to 10 years in with my firm um, and my practice, I was completely burned out. I was, I was miserable. My productivity levels had plummeted because I just couldn't muster. I, I could not muster focusing. And um, so by the time I got to there, I walked away from my partnership, washed my hands of the, of the practice and just had this idea of like, it's not for me. And, and I thought never to return. Well, that didn't last very long. Um, I missed the practice and I had an opportunity come my way to go and be general counsel for this company. And as I stepped back into the practice of law, I did so with a much more mindful like thoughts. And I I wanted to see if I could do it differently. Can I practice law and be happy at the same time? Can I be successful in my work while also being successful in my life? Because I I think for a lot of us and for the profession in general, um, there has been this prevailing view that we can either do well at work or we can be well in life and they're mutually exclusive. And many of us are like, well, you know what? I want to do well professionally. So I'm going to put being well on the back burner and just suck it up and go. So I went looking and what I found was the science of positive psychology, which shows like there's so much research on this and it's growing every single day, but it shows that 
being well in your life actually drives doing well professionally. Um, all the things that we as lawyers do, you know, we handle complicated uh, matters. We deal with complex complex issues um, with clients that can be challenging with opposing counsel with sometimes overwhelming levels of stress. And science tells us that all of those things, we do better at those things when we're thriving. So yes, Erica. <laughs> so what you're saying is success doesn't make you happy. Happy makes you successful. Thank you. Yes. You just cut through that like a knife through hot butter. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I'm all about the simple. If you can do it simple, that's what <laughs> it's straight up. No, absolutely. Yeah, but that is, that's what I found. And so I became really interested in learning more. And so I went back and, and that's how I, I ended up back in school with the idea of, I wanted to figure this out for me, right? All good research is really me search. So that, that's, <laughs> that's how I ended up back in school. And, and with the thought of, hey, if I'm out there looking for this, I can't be the only lawyer that, that is searching for, for how to have both well-being and professional success. Yeah, I, I think that's beautifully said. And the notion that we can be lawyers and we can be happy, but no longer having to try to separate those two is comforting to a lot of people. Erica, I'm going to let you jump straight into the magic of mindset. Let's get to, let's start with the basics, Martha. How do you define mindset? Specifically, what is it and how does it impact the practice of law? Well, a mindset to just put it really simply, uh, mindsets are theories of how like the world works. We all have mindsets or beliefs about certain things, about our intelligence, um, about like the profession in general. I mean, there's there are it's just our point of view um, about different things in our in our world, right? And they can be incredibly powerful because they're a filter that, that we see everything through, you know, and oftentimes we're seeing things without even recognizing we're looking through a filter. And so our mindsets can really impact our, the practice of law, how successful we are there and how, um, how our higher well-being levels are and how resilient we are to problems because the way we think about things impacts not only like it impacts our other thoughts it also impacts our emotions it impacts the decisions that we make it impacts how we respond when um, a roadblock pops up pops up which is inevitable in the practice so even though you're saying that when we use the term mindset, it actually isn't set. It's something that is changeable in terms of your filter. And, and in particular, you know, um, with modern law, how you can look at law completely different if you can change that underlying belief system. Is Yes, absolutely. And mindsets, um, oftentimes we don't even know that, that it is just a belief and a mindset that it may not be hundred percent true because that's just how, I mean, that's how we see the world. So we accept it as this is, this is truth. And, and you can have mindsets as an individual, as a person, and we can also have a mindset as a profession. And, you know, when you talk about the modern law practice, that is from, from what I understand, like that's an effort to try to shift the mindset of not just 
individuals about what the practice can be for them, but also the profession as a whole about how do we see ourselves? How do we work? Does it have to be the way that it always has been? Is it because I think that I'm sure you all have had this experience where, you know, a higher, like a leader in your organization or somebody else in the practice is like, well, that's the way we've always done it. And so this is the way it has to be done. Well, is it? You know, and, and so your mindsets, if you, if you believe that, that this is the way it has to be done, then you are going to be more resistant to change. If opportunities to see something differently comes up and make different decisions, you're, you aren't going to jump on that. Um, But if you, if you question that mindset or shift that mindset, then, you know, you're more likely to take steps to go in a different direction. The way it's always been done is something that I run into a lot from law firm partners of, you know, well, this is how I was mentored. This is how it was when I was a young associate. And trying to get that shift in mindset will really focus on in our part two of this series. So I think that is such a critical lever that we have to figure out how to pull. But before we jump into that, I want to talk a little bit um, and hear your thoughts on the science of mindset. And it blew my mind reading some of your research um, and other positive psychologists how mindset can actually change physiology. Could you talk to us about that a bit? Yeah, yeah. It, that that was such a mind-blowing thing for me to, to learn about as well. So when we change our mindsets about something, so yes, definitely it can lead to a change in behavior, which comes to a different outcome over time. Like for example, everybody has some sort of a belief about aging and there's a handful, probably more than that now, of, re, of uh, studies on um, beliefs about aging and, and outcomes like health as you get older and, and death from all sorts of causes and, and the rest. And it's found that people that have more positive beliefs about aging, they live longer, they're more healthy along the way. And like it's theorized that, that your beliefs about aging will influence the small little decisions you make in health and vitality along the way, which over time add up to better outcomes. And so that, that is one way to look at behavior, but we can take it the next step. And um, there's some really crazy studies that show that a shift in our mindset, in our belief about something can actually make a physiological change in our own bodies. Like it can, we can impact biological change just by the way we think. That's how powerful our minds are and the power of belief. And there's two studies that are super fun to talk about. And so I'm going to roll them out here. One of them is a, both of these studies are done by a researcher, um, Aaliyah Crum, and she is just fantastic. If you're interested in her, like check out her stuff. But um, the first study is one that was done with hotel maids. The maids were gathered from seven different hotels and split into two different groups. These folks were studied because of, of health concerns, um, just with their, their BMI, um, with their mental health, with you know sickness, all, all the things. One group was a control group. And so the researchers went in, put up a poster talking about the governmental recommended exercise time and for every day. And you know, the, the guidelines that we're all familiar with, right? And so poster was put up there. They were given a presentation on those guidelines and um, health and what they need to be doing every day. The other group is the, re- is the research group where they were getting the intervention. Poster was put up, but this poster looked at what they do every single day in their job. And it said, did you know that the work that you do every day cleaning 
is actually exercise and it meets the requirements, like the national requirements for like health and well-being and exercise movement, blah, blah, blah. And it even put out like the average calories burned for a 140 pound woman for like cleaning a bathroom or, you know, lifting up a mattress to change the sheets. And, and then they, um, the researchers came in and the presentation they get, gave was all about that. Like, Hey, did you know that you really are actually exercising? And so that group was like, yeah, instead of us thinking we're not exercising, we're really are, we really are exercising. So then they followed these folks for, I think a month. Um, and then after the fact, they went back, they looked at BMI, they um, looked at mood, they looked at job satisfaction. Um, and what they found was the group that got the intervention that had their mindset set shifted to in, instead of looking at their job as something that wore on them and kept them from, you know, exercising, they started seeing their job as exercise. That group, their BMI was lower. So they, they lost weight they had a, a lot higher satisfaction with their job and they reported um, higher feelings of positivity. And it was just from that one shift in their mindset. So that's pretty crazy. I mean, so, so just so you know, that doesn't mean that you can, you know, start thinking that you're just sitting on the couch all day and you're like, oh, this is exercise. And then start like losing weight. That's not, that's not the, the finding, but if it's just taking a disappointing turn, I was hoping my Netflix time was somehow improving my well-being. Wouldn't that be amazing? But, but what, what the researchers um, theorize is that if there are, you know, a range of possibilities from the same kind of a um, situation, like all the maids were doing the similar work, but if there is a range, then the way that we think about that can have a really big impact on our um, biology, which it did in this study. And to show even more like closely how that can work, there's a second study. And I think this might be one of my favorite studies that I've ever read, it's awesome. In this study, there was a group of people and they were brought into the lab to um, drink like a shake, like a milkshake. So they bring in these folks to the lab, hook them up to monitors and stuff. And what they were measuring, the researchers were measuring something called ghrelin. And ghrelin is um, a hormone that your body produces that when it goes down, you feel more full, right? It tells your body that you're satisfied. And when it goes up, you start getting hungry. So come into the lab, hook people up to the monitors and give them a shake. And the shake they're given is that they're like, this is called the Sensi Shake, um, guilt-free indulgence. And there's 180 calories in it, zero grams of fat. So they drink the shake, they measure the ghrelin, send everybody out of the lab, right? So a week later, everybody comes back in, gets hooked back up to the machines. And this time they're given a shake um, that's called like decadent indulgence. And it, they're told that it has 680 um, calories and 30 grams of fat. They drink the shake, they measure the ghrelin, the people go away. What they found, the researchers found was that the decadent indulgent, full fat, high calorie shake, everybody's ghrelin dropped a lot more than the Sensi shake, you know, guilt-free indulgence. It did not drop nearly as much. But the thing is, it was the exact same shake that they got on both counts. But when they believed that the shake was, was uh, going to be more satisfying, it actually was more satisfying. 
So that's crazy. Like there's the power of our minds is, is incredible. Well, and what I love about those studies is it's not that they were told, oh, we are going to change your mindset. This is how you do that. It was like they were just given plain information and then it was how they processed it. And that's what changed the the physiology. And that to me is what is, is is the mind blowing part. It's not like we're like being to change your mindset isn't like you have to follow step A, B, C, and D. Like um, it's, it, it happens with information. And I think that is so cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the different mindset interventions we see about stress and about intelligence, like the growth mindset stuff, it really is giving people information that allows them to question um, their beliefs or to think something a little bit different. It, and it's, it's not a tricky thing to do. Just, it just takes paying attention to new information. So you've um, shown how changing the mindset can increase your happiness level. Um, that's where we're getting at with all this information is um, some getting some basic information can make us happier. Um, but your research is also showing that it can increase your business and your practice. So how exactly does that work? Well, there's, so we talked about how mindsets can make a shift in your the way you think about things, which translates to um, decisions that you make, behaviors that you do, and you know, down down the line, that really does make a difference into to how you interact with your practice and how you handle things that are challenging. And um, so, I'll give you an example um, of, of how this worked. So, how do you think about um, when things go wrong? So we all, if you're in the practice of law, something's going to go wrong. It is just part of the profession, right? You're going to lose something. Things are going to go haywire. You're going to get some bad facts or whatever, right? That's part of the gig. So if you think of two different, let's, let's two different lawyers, right? And in this hypothetical, they both have the same level of experience, the same skills, like all the rest, the same vintage of practice. The only thing that they have different is the way that they think when something goes wrong. So you take these two lawyers and in our hypothetical, they both just lost at trial. One of them sees, takes, takes failure and loss as something that says, I am not good enough. I, that was because I'm dumb, you know, internalizing that way. The other lawyer has more of a growth mindset. Like I'm learning that was a setback. What can I learn from it? And how can I go forward? So how does that look different in practice? The one that has the mindset of, well, I lost that case. It's because I'm a bad lawyer. Um, they're more likely to ruminate about that. Like, oh man, I'm a bad lawyer. I'm embarrassed. And so that how that feels and I'm not cut out for this. And, you know, maybe, maybe I need to change careers. Um, and when another opportunity comes up, they're going to, their confidence is going to be lower. They may not take on the next challenge. They're far less likely to take on the next challenge. And so that really has an impact on not only their levels of well-being and their mental health um, and their stress, but also like they're less likely to go further in the practice because they won't have the confidence to take on that next challenge um, to, to raise their hand and say, I'll do, I'll do that. And I'll, I'll try something new. Right. But the other um, attorney, the one that, that sees um, setbacks as an opportunity for growth or just as a normal part of the, the practice, let's say that lawyer same thing loses the case. 
yeah, they're going to be bummed out and feel bad about it. That's just a normal thing. And, but they're not going to ruminate as long and their thought process might be more like, okay, well, yes, I could have prepped more for that cross-examination, you know, next time I will do X instead of Y to do that. And, and cause I think that would make a difference. So they, they are more likely to learn from that failure and also to see that some of this is out of their control. Hey, you know what? I mean, we just had bad facts on this case or the, that, you know, that case law really was not in our favor. So they walk away from that feeling like, okay, I did this right. I have this to work on. Um, some of this was not anything that, that I did wrong. And then, Hey, and they, they're more likely to remember, I've had a lot of other wins. I've done a lot of other things well. And so when the next challenge comes on, they, they brush this off and they're ready to take on the next challenge because they've learned from this. And so o- over time, you can see how the, the attorney that has more of the like positive growth mindset about um, setbacks, they're going to slowly make different decisions, dig in more. They're, they're going to work harder and longer when there's a setback because they feel like they have the skills to get through it. And so over time, that makes a big difference on professional advancement and on your mental health. So it's really, the, the facts stay the same, but it's the filter when you started off saying yeah. it makes the difference. Yes, that's a lovely way to say that. I mean, in that scenario, the hypothetical is exactly the same, but the filter that these two lawyers are viewing the situation and their own abilities through is very different. And that, that can make all the difference. Well, in talking about how it can affect your overall well-being in general, the way that you're perceiving it. So I do family law, right? So dealing with people in crisis and usually, you know, one of the top five stressors that, you know, type of thing. And lawyers get very burnt out doing this because you're hearing these, you know, tragedy stories every day. Um, but the way that I view divorce is I see that as a as a new beginning. Um, yes, there's a bittersweet piece of it that something's ending. But when I talk to my clients, I'm like, let's focus on the future. What do you want that to look like? And how do we get you there? And so it's focusing on the future and the positive, And that re- works with my clients. They become much more engaged in their cases. So you can really like share your mindset, right? Yes. And I think that's such a lovely example. And, and it's the difference between being having to drag yourself forward and being pulled forward towards something better. You know, I, I read a quote from, I don't even know who, who did this the other day, but it really made me think about mindset because it was you know, something like the old man um, when asked what erasers are for, he's like, erasers are for those who don't get it right. And the young, the young man replied, erasers um, are there so we can so we can uh, correct our mistakes or so we can get better. And, you know, it's just a different viewpoint. And if you believe that, hey, we can correct and learn from our mistakes um, rather than it's a it's a mandate on who you are as a person or how good you are as a lawyer. It, it has a totally different way of how it makes you feel right and and if we feel more positive and hopeful about where something is headed um or you know when we're getting through something difficult then we have more energy we have more um emotional energy we have more mental energy to actually be creative and um, attack a problem in a different way well i'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here with a with a 
pop quiz. Um, so with mindset, being able to see, say it very simplistically, the upside of things. Um, with the pandemic, obviously a bad thing. People are dying all over the place. But yeah. how can you change your mindset about the pandemic? This is a wonderful question, and it's so um, relevant for all of us right now because I think uh, um, we have we've, we're all in this together, right? This is something that everybody is facing um, one way or another. From my own perspective, so suddenly I'm home all the time, right? The kids are here, uh, my husband's here, and and so I could have dwelled on that, like I don't get to see my colleagues all these things I had going on professionally are now going to not happen. Um, I never get to be alone anymore. All these people are breathing in my house and like climbing on me and, and, you know, I can't see my family and like, Oh my God, the economy. So, cause all those things are true, right? All that is happening and it's difficult. I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I had the um, flexibility to be able to still work and, and be in my home. And so, but that, see that there, that is a, a positive mindset about it. It is choosing to look at what I do have instead of focusing on the things that I don't have and that are challenging helped me to um, really move forward and enjoy what I have. Like, I get to see my kids all the time. Like I, I, my husband's around, this is great. And, you know, I can slow down a little bit. So it's just shifting that viewpoint. All those things are still there, but I'm putting the best picture on, on what's um, going on. And I think it's something like the pandemic and the practice of law. I think that there's going to be a lot of silver linings. I think they already have been a lot of silver linings that come out of that. So it's just, it's focusing on those things can really make a difference in our mood, which then makes it so we can work better, um, interact with people better. And, you know, then it takes you on that upward spiral. And again, happiness first leads to success. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because I, I think we all can relate. Like if you have, um, if you're already feeling down, then we're more likely to look for, um, it's like the confirmation bias we all have. We look for information that confirms the way that we think or the way that we feel. So if I'm already down and then I'm looking at like, yeah, he's still here looking at me. Like, why can't he go to work? Go get out of, go, you know, or, or uh, then it's just another thing that's like, oh, like another drop in the bucket of heaviness. And, and so when we feel poorly, we're more likely to look for things that confirm, oh yeah, I should feel bad instead of like trying to shift it. And when we feel more, well, okay, let me back up. So, and when we feel poorly, we're less likely to want to get off the couch, to want to get engaged in what we're doing um, because we get preoccupied with those thoughts. And then also the way that that makes us feel, but when we feel more hopeful and we see things, you know, more on the bright side, then we have more energy to go forward. With saying all these things, I'm not at all advocating for, oh, just think positively um, and just forget the bad stuff. Like that's not what I'm saying at all because that I think is toxic positivity. And if it's not, if, if it's not real, then it, I think it can make things worse. Um, instead, it's trying to find just even those little small shifts that you can take, looking at things that you can appreciate or be grateful for that are true for you. 
right? It's not just making something up in your head because that's not going to work. It's little small shifts. Hey, I really appreciate you saying that, Martha. I think it gives a lot of us, myself included, something to hold on to because in so many ways, this past year has been traumatic for so many people. Yeah. And even just, you know, the events of the past week with Atlanta to Boulder and just how that, you know, impacts so many of us and really strikes at our hearts that at times I like to think of myself as an optimistic person, but I do sometimes get caught in those kind of webs of cynicism or despair. And so, you know, bringing it full circle to your focus on your practice, Erica, that this is a new beginning. This is a chance to build something better for the future. That's one thing that I'm going to hang on to from this conversation. So thank you, Martha. You're welcome. Well, I would say something just to to add to that is, you know, what, what we're really aiming for with a more positive mindset is realistic optimism right? It's not just that pie in the sky, everything's going to be fine, because that's really not a good practice skill for lawyers. But also, it's not, you know, a good life skill, because that leads you into lunacy. But if there is a positive um, viewpoint to take on something that feels right to you, then that is something that we should really work towards, because it does make a difference over time. That being said, you know, the events of the last week with the shooting in Boulder and and the things that have gone on with the pandemic, like we're going to feel sadness. We're going to feel a certain level of anxiety and frustration and, and those things. And that is okay to feel. That is a good thing to feel. We don't want to stuff those emotions when they come up because that ends up, they're still there. They're just hidden and then they're brewing, right? Um, the key is, is to acknowledge that and honor that you feel that way, but not to live in it, right? To be like, I am really sad. That is, I'm going to feel that. That's, that is um, really, that's challenging and honor that for yourself, but then let it go. Like, and then, you know, move to something that is, brings you a little bit of, of joy or calmness or peace. Like go hug your dog or, you know, go on a hike or do something that is going to then shift you. To, to a more positive um, frame. Does that make sense? Me and loving my cliches, what, it's bring, what I'm thinking of is you win some, learn some. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and it's, uh, um, you know, it's changing, it's changing the meaning of um, setbacks, difficulty and failure. It's really changing it from a um, mandate on this is how it is, this is how you are, things are bad, to a, an opportunity to learn and progress and grow um, as individuals and also as like communities and groups. And on our next show, you are actually going to get into the practical way that um, all of our listeners can uh, shift their mindsets. Yes. Yes, this is part one of our two-part series. So now that we've tantalized our listeners with just how powerful mindset is and you know, kind of left the carrot out there of we can be productive lawyers and happy people at the same time is something that I think a lot of people need to hear. And I'm eager to listen to part two and have a discussion with you, Martha, where we really talk about, okay, how do we change our mindset to become positive individuals who can really tackle life's challenges ahead of us? 
So in the meantime, um, until you get to hear um, Martha on our next episode, if you have any questions for her um, or any of our past presenters, all you have to do is call the How to Start a Revolution helpline and leave us a message. We will actually play your question on the next podcast and provide an answer. So make sure to leave your name, the name of your firm or organization, so everybody knows who their fellow revolutionaries are. And the phone number for the helpline is 303 824 5399. That's 303-824-5399. And it is also listed on the MLPI community page. Welcome to the revolution. You've got questions. We have answers. Thank Martha. Thank you. <laughs> for joining us for episode one. And our uh, can't wait to have her come back for episode two. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for joining the revolution. <laughs> <laughs>